Okay, here we go. Our guest today is William Francis Lee, Bill Lee, the spaceman, who uh, is a, a baseball legend, counterculturally specifically, a member of the Red Sox Hall of Fame, and uh, soon to be, I think, a member of the Canadian uh, baseball, not the Canadian bacon, the Canadian baseball uh, Hall of Fame as well. Bill pitched for the Red Sox uh, through the 70s till 78, and then was with the Montreal Expos. I, I, let's Ben and I do play a little game here. We throw, we'll throw a name of a major league guy, either teammate or uh, an opponent. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody you had to try to get out a few times. You know where I want to go? Harold fucking Baines. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Hall of Famer now. What did you think of that? <laughs> what do I think about it? I wrote a poem about him. I go, I thought Bucky had the only middle name in baseball. You know, and the fact that he gets nominated for 22 years of mediocrity, never led the league in anything. Ever. And I'm going, you got Richie Allen, you got Horton, you got Frank Howard, you got you got all these great ball players, the Toy Can. Jim Cott. Yeah, Jim Cott was a pitcher, but these guys are hitters. And then you put Harold Baines in there. I go, you know, the only guy I would pitch to in this lineup would be Baines. Right. I'd pitch around all the other guys, and this guy makes the Hall of Fame. Yeah, who? What is it's bad? What are they smoking in Cooperstown? Yeah, that's a, that was an awful, awful mistake they made. And you know, and Edgar Martinez is not in. He, just, yeah. But he wasn't even a three hundred hitter. He, he, as you said, there's no dark black ink on his on his record. You know, uh, I don't know how he got in, but uh, so you, we now we know how Bill feels about, about Harold Baines. Well, I it's not I I apologize to Harold for bringing this up because he was a really good ball player <laughs> and uh, supposedly a nice guy. Yeah, but I was trying to bring his name up today, and I'd already forgot him in two days. <laughs> but it just makes the Hall of Fame less and less special yeah. if you don't have that strong line Gotta to get be. in. D- Dwight Evans yeah. had more home runs than Harold Baines in his career, more RBIs and all that. And he also knew how to use a glove, unlike Harold Baines. Yeah, I know. It's like he won eight gold gloves, and he and he got knocked off the list in a, in a year. Is Michael Jackson going in? He only wore a glove on his right <laughs> hand for no apparent reason. I don't know what I don't want to know what the other hand went for. So uh, pick a pick a ball. I, I got one. You played with him, and then you played against him with the Yankees, Sparky Lyle. Oh, Sparky was the greatest. I used to drive him to the ballpark, and he would stop at the triangle, and he'd get a two cheeseburgers. He'd eat one, and he'd save the other one in the bullpen, and then he would uh, drop Ugh. his he would he'd drop his greenie or painkillers or whatever it was. He'd eat the other cheeseburger, and he would go out, and when he warmed up, I remember when Monty came up from AAA. So Monty comes to the bullpen, and... Sparky gets up, and the first ball, he he has a hump in it. He just lobs it down. The second one is 92 miles an hour. Hit Montgomery right in the in the chest. Didn't have his chest protector on. And he's writhing in pain, and we we're all laughing at poor Monty. You know, and Monty was a tough kid from uh, from the south. I think he's from Kentucky or something. So uh, George Brett. Georgie Brett. Oh, how'd you do with him? I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. Did he left-handed hitter? Did you yeah, get no, he, he was young. I was old and uh, astroturf. But I would throw him sinkers down and in and make him roll over and hit ground balls. You know, he was a great opposite field hitter, and I didn't throw hard enough for him to go the other way. So I had pretty good success. His brother, Kemmer Brett, 
I thought Kenny, was yeah. Kenny Brett has a record that'll never be beaten. He had I think six consecutive starts in the National League and hit a home run in every start. Isn't that amazing? He was a pitcher uh, mm-hmm. in 1967, youngest man ever to pitch in a World Series too, at age 18 wow. in 67. Ken Brett, George Brett's older brother. Uh, brother. Uh, Georgie was. I remember the first time he saw a stewardess. He saw a stewardess on. Uh, we're on Mass Ave. First time he saw one. Well, he saw <laughs> he saw all the all the gang that we used to hang out with Muzzy Michaels and all of them at three forty four Com Ave. Oh, okay. And his brother was dating. Uh, I don't know who he was dating. He was dating Pam Anderson or, or no the the guy who owns the the toilets that you piss in. Uh, Crane, the Crane Mansion. <laughs> wait, a minute, wait a minute, the toilet you piss, you piss in? in? Yeah, that's a whole different. I kind own a, of toilet. the toilet I piss in. Yeah, that's, it's a Crane Mansion. That he was he was dating one of the girls, that, <laughs> and uh, the Crane was the treasurer of the state of yeah. It was, yeah. We were all up and down that street. Anyway, he saw one of those girls, and he turned around and ran right into a parking pole right there, and we had to stitch him up. And I go, jeez. But that was Boston back then. It was, uh, boy, I'll tell you. Yeah, Daisy Buchanan's and all the bars. That place was nuts, huh? All the athletes went to Daisy's, and they'd stay open late, and they had back rooms where they could do whatever they wanted. Yeah, a guy named Brunt. (laughs) Brunt, he was a hockey guy, wrote a story about spinning the bobby. It's Chapter 7. It's about the history of uh, Bobby Orr when he met his wife at Daisy's. And everybody get drunk, and and he'd get drunk, and they'd spin him around. All the girls were around, and wherever his finger... Hit. That's the girl he'd dance with, and everything else, and then all the rest. All that's the rest easy were, for him. Boy, that's nice all the to rest be were in. fair game, and he's still married to that girl. So uh, uh, he's he's a legend. No one's ever worn a superstar label better than Bobby Orr. Right? Greatest, greatest guy. I, I was at a golf tournament. I'll tell you one story. We're at a golf tournament, and we're chipping around, and he skulls a chip and hits a guy putting up on the green right in the ankle, and I mean right on the bone, and he wants to fight Bobby, and I'm going, wait a second. I grab him. Go, come on. Let's go over and have him sign it for you. Right. <laughs> Never mind fighting the guy. You exactly. Know? Let him. I mean, you just got hit on the ankle by a skull. From Bobby. Have him Bobby. sign it and just move on. Move on. How, how much did, um, like, you guys on the Sox hang out with guys on the Celtics or the Bruins or the Patriots in the 70s? I imagine the Patriots were the redheaded stepchild at the time. Well, who was the redheaded stepchild? The center. The center for the Boston Celtics. Big Red. Oh, oh Cowens. Cowens. So we're with Cowens. We're in We're in the theatrical in Cleveland, and the bartender, it was last call, wouldn't give him a drink, and he took that bartender his face and just cleaned the bar with it. <laughs> I go, you don't shut down Dave Cowens after, after a loss in Cleveland. Not if you're 7'2 and he's 6'9 and you're Will Chamberlain, you don't shut him down. It was unbelievable. And then there was Cashman, Cashman who, uh, he was the one that, he went the wrong way down uh, Newberry Street. You know, he was only going one way, officer, and they took him down to the lockup where the Liberty Hotel is now. Yeah. And uh, the lockup, it's a former jail. The former <laughs> jail, yeah. The, and so they take him down to the jail and stuff, and they, they get him there and go, you know, we're going to give you one call. So what does he do? He calls out for Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's that that was the past. You just don't get that anymore. Right, right. Everything now is cameras and elevators and guys, you know, you know, girls coming in and swinging at guys' wives and all hell breaks loose and yeah. some some football player hunt, I guess it was the last one. 
So you had to go through life having people think erroneously because of Tony Perez's home run that you lost one of the games of the classic 75 World Series. You left with the lead. You didn't, you've never lost in, in the World Series. No. You, it's not like that was that loss should be yours, although Tony Perez will talk about that home run. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he hit it. I mean, I, I, what am I going to do? Everybody says you can't throw him off speed stuff. I said everything I throw is off speed. Well, that's right. You know, the, That's your repertoire. I, after I had hurt my arm uh, a year and a half ago, skipping rocks with my grandchildren on the Ponderay River, and uh, it was really bothering me, and I went to the surgeon who did my surgery up in Montreal, Dr. Coughlin, and I, he looked at me, he did x-rays, I didn't get an MRI, and he does manipulation. He says, Bill, I can't find anything wrong. And I go, but I've lost my fastball. He goes, Bill, you never had a fastball. <laughs> <laughs> End of story. End of story. Yeah. I go. You know, uh, it was funny. I laughed. So you, you, had, the, you had this uh, tremendous team, 75, looked like they were going to win every single year, you know. Uh, well, 72. We lose to Detroit by half a ha- game. Half a game. Half a game to the Detroit Tigers. That game was more memorable to me as a loss than the 75 World Series. Really? Oh, now, yeah. Was that when Aparicio fell rounding third? He fell on opening day rounding third on a double by Ustremski. And Ustremski ended up at third, and they tagged them both out or one of them out, and we didn't score. We lost that game to Lolich. Then last, next to the last game of the season, we were in the same thing. Harper gets on, base hit, steals second. Aparicio drives him in. Ustremski hits the same ball off of Lolich in the right center field gap. And... There he is barreling into third, and Aparicio had slipped in on the same foggy, Fucking nasty day. Pace. And I'm going, you, I look up and I'm going, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. The saddest and the funniest. It's kind of like the Miami game the Deja other day. Deja voodoo. Yeah. How the, how the Patriots lost. You know. Oh, on the laterals the other day, yeah. yeah. That was... How old was Aprecio at that point? Mid, he was mid old. 30s? It, well, he was well on in his career because he played in the 50s. with played... the White Sox. Yeah. 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 He was a go-go White Sox, with, and... I think. Another guy that so should be in the Hall of Fame. So he had to be 37 anyway. Harold Baines, Minnie Minoso. Yeah. Who do you want in the Hall of Fame, Minnie Minoso or Harold Baines? Right. I want Minnie Minoso. Yeah, me too. First non-white, you know, played in five decades and another thing. Yeah, didn't he hit when he was like – by the way, speaking of that, yeah. I mean, we should make a little segue here. You are, and twice now, you've broken your own record, the oldest man to win a professional baseball game as a pitcher. Yeah. I was there when the Brockton Rocks sent you out there, and they brought you out in a car. Oh, my God, a Camaro. I couldn't get out of the damn car. (laughs) (laughs) You pitched five and two-thirds, and you get the win. So that was huge, and it was was a record. But then you go to California, and uh, what league is it? The Pacific uh... League. It was California Pacific League, which is an independent A league, which is just as good or better than the uh, the Can American League. Yeah, and it's and and you were facing a bunch of guys in their twenties, and you were sixty five. I was sixty five, and you not only pitched a complete game to get the win, which is like. People think, what well, what can you do when you're 65? A lot of people can't take a shit when they're 65. You know, they can't do anything. Well, they have to use their hands. <laughs> well, that's they, what math. They, mathemat- they have to lower themselves <laughs> under the toilet. Well, you know what mathemat- <laughs> you know what mathematicians do when they're constipated? They work it out with a pencil. <laughs> that's the same kind of thing. But you're out there at 65 years old, and you not only you have a bat that you made, you homemade bat, and you drove in 
the I, first run of the game. I did. I drove in the first run of the game. Uh, <laughs> we came back. I. The funny thing is, I retired the first twelve batters I faced in that game. In that game, it was amazing. That was like three and two thirds innings, and almost. Well, yeah, I was. It was amazing. Nine. That was four innings. And you weren't known for the one, two, three inning because you were cagey as a, as a pitcher in yeah. the major leagues. You would sometimes have three guys on They the made base. all the plays. Uh, they made great plays. I told them, play deep, take away the lines, you know, and uh, cut across, hit the cutoff bend. <laughs> How hard were you throwing at 65? Yeah. What was your fastball there? You know, I don't know. I'll tell you one thing. When I warmed up that day, I had nothing. And I went to the catcher, and I said, here's what we're going to do. I said, he had a different catcher behind the plate, someone I hadn't thrown to before. And I said, here's what we're going to do. There's going to be no signs. I'm going to work fast. I'm going to throw what I want. And you're not going to catch the ball anyway because they're going to hit it and put it in play. You know what I mean? Fair enough. And that's what happened. And next thing you know, I got 12 out. And next, now I go, now what the hell do I do? I'm into the fourth inning. And they hit me pretty hard, got some runs. We battled back. And in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, Mike Marshall, the Dodger outfielder, he came to take me. He was my manager, and he came to take me out of the game three times. And I asked him for one more hitter. And all three times, I either got a double play or an out. And I remember the last out of the game, I jammed the guy with a fastball up and in. He had a flare up the middle. The second baseman was playing him to pull and made a leaping catch behind second. And he hits the ground, and I got a complete game. I win by three runs, I think. And I go over, and I walk off the field, and I just kiss the ground. And that's the day I became a Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> well, that ball, that ball's in the Hall of Fame. That's in Cooper's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my uniform, actually, my uniform and my pants are laying right by my phone. I was looking at them today. I'm going, what the hell's that uniform doing every? You know the number You've I wore? You've worn so many uniforms. It was 31. They thought my number was 37. It was 31, and it was Ferguson Jenkins. And uh, yes. I'm going to put it in the Ferguson Jenkins Hall of Fame in St. Catharines, Ontario. i got to tell Ben this story because you and I, you were doing an autograph show somewhere over in uh, Southboro or something, and I went over to pick you up. We're going to go eat dinner, you, me, and Diana. And we were getting ready to go, and you said to me, can, can Fergie come? And I, I'm thinking, who? The Duchess. I, I don't know. what he, I said, Fergie. I said, Ferguson Jenkins? You go, yeah. I go, yeah, he can come. <laughs> That's Fergie, for God's sake. Of course he can come. He's a Hall of I love the Cubs. You know, whenever, when he was on a Cubs. Did you know that he had 30 complete games in 1971, Fergie Jenkins? Wow. 30. Wow. That's like, that's 270 innings just right there, you know. Uh, they didn't. They don't make them like that anymore, huh? No, he was. Uh, that's why we're doing the three generation tour across Canada with Via Rail and WestJet with uh, Kelly Gruber and I, and a guy named Scott Bullet who is uh, played for the Pittsburgh Pirates and he's got a teaching school. Married a French Canadian and lives in Welland, Ontario, and uh, we're going to travel and try and straighten baseball out. The Canadians, I love the Canadians. They play more games. Uh, they play. 
you know, not two days a week. They play five days a week. They, they The kids get a lot more exposure to the game, and that's why there's a lot of Canadians, uh, Joey Votto and all the guys. Are is that because that they're cramming it in because the, the, season, they have to. <laughs> the seasons are so yeah. short for baseball, they got to cram it in? Yes, it is that, and uh, they just have better amateur programs in Canada for the kids, I believe. That's and probably hockey and baseball. It is hockey, baseball, every sport. Uh, I think there's only 30... Seven or 38 million Canadians, you know, and there's more people in California than there are in Canada. Right. Now, you've played in so many. i got to mention this because it's like a geography thing. You've played in the Alaskan uh, panhandle. No, no, they called the gold pan. Gold panners. Gold panners. See that? 430 major leaguers. Jimmy Williams was the first pro to come out of there. Jimmy with one M. Jimmy with one M. With one M. Uh, you played in Alaska. You played in Cuba many times. Yeah. Some Most people, uh, when you were playing there, wouldn't even think of trying to go there. Yeah. You played in Russia, didn't you? I played in the Soviet Union yeah. before it was Russia. <laughs> well, it was Russia. Before and after it was, after the it was Soviet Russia. Union, yeah. and then it was there, yeah. I played over there. I got arrested three times in one night, which is an amazing story, which we'll get into. Uh, well, in Russia? In in Moscow, how do you get arrested three times in one night? It was amazing. I think being American helps. Well, well, being yeah. being on an American team, and we had won the game. We were celebrating, and we were in like three cabs. And our cab <coughs> happened to cut off this Mercedes Benz in a rotary. Next thing you know, here come the lights, and the gendarmes are after us, and they pull us over. And it was a diplomat's car. And they get us out, and they charge us with reckless this and that. And what's it going to cost? 200 rubles, 20 bucks. So we gave them 200 rubles. We drove on. We get to the restaurant we were going to, and there is the Mercedes in the parking lot. Same one. Same one. And I see this couple over there, and he was a German diplomat, had a Russian mistress or whatever it was and i went over and i stuck my finger in his chest i said if you ever did that america i would take my bmw and drive it right up your fucking ass (laughs) 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 and they got up and left the restaurant (laughs) well yeah yeah and so what's there to say now we're drinking and now we go downtown and we're shooting pool on a pool table underneath and uh we come out and we get arrested for speeding and i'm in a uh a lot of souped up lotta with a good uh, tape deck in it. And when I'm with uh, Andre and his other brother, Andre, you know, and, uh, and so I'm with these two uh, Russians, kids. they pull us over 200 rubles. So we do that. Now we go to a discotheque in the French section of Moscow, beautiful discotheque. And I get out of the car and I bump into this black car next to me, a cop. <laughs> he comes out with a nightstick and he sticks it in my chest and I take it away from him immediately. <laughs> I just twirl it around with my, my just uh, military police. I did acting out of instinct. I turn and he starts backpedaling, and the two Russians are going, "Ah, Michael Jackson." <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm in cuffs, and uh, they took me back to my hotel. I go, "Niet, niet, don't come out again tonight, Mister Lee." Wow, they gave you at least they gave you fair warning. Yeah, they gave me. But a, you got out of there alive three you, times in one night, Moscow. Now, well, you've gone to all these communist countries. Uh, yeah. Does that mean that somewhere inside you, you're a communist or a Marxist? I, or I'm a, I am probably <laughs> the first card carrying Marxist socialist uh, 
egalitarian is what I like to call myself. An egalitarian is someone that is equally as horseshit as everybody else. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I like the egalitarianism. I like the fact that you take care of the lesser people on the planet, which is actually one of the postulates of uh, Muslimism, which I believe once they gained oil in Saudi Arabia, they kind of decided to hack that up. <laughs> yeah, it, oil ruins everything. It, oil ruins everything. It does. changes people. It's it a, changes people. It does. So I, I became a uh, – every team I had in fantasy camp were called the Elise Egalitarians, and we usually won pretty good because everyone played uh, better than their potential. And that's what I like. I like, you know, that – you know, there's no elitists, and I'm not an elitist. I never have been. Uh, my ex-wife would probably disagree with that statement. But uh, as Charles Barkley said, I may be wrong, but I doubt it. <laughs> uh, major League pitcher. I don't want to say former Major League pitcher because there's a good chance he'll be play. picked up. Sure. Uh, Bill Lee is with us. Uh, Warren Zevon. Wrote a song about you. Is this yeah. correct? How did yeah. how did uh, how did it go? No, no. How does <laughs> how does how does it come that uh, Warren Zevon writes a song about you? I don't know. He read a quote or something I'd said, and he thought it was really apropos. So he uh, he wrote a song about it, and then they butchered it in editing. And when it came out on the album, it stunk. <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna have to that learn would to be have Warren some opinions, Bill. That's, uh... <laughs> Warren Zevon's song, Bill Lee, uh, from his uh, Bad Luck Streak at Dancing School album. Yeah. And uh, it's available uh, on iTunes, just like this podcast. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I, uh, I, I pitch in Florida. I go to my daughter's house for Thanksgiving. I watch them. I stay there for a whole week. And then we get in the car, and I'm reading Undaunted Courage by Stephen Ambrose about the uh, Lewis and Clark expedition and how it came about, how Napoleon sold that chunk of land away for the British were going to take it anyway and so he sold it to Thomas Jefferson and the the uh, the fundamental not the fundamentalists the the ones John Quincy Adams and Adams and they hated it and stuff they thought it was a folly and you know and then Meriwether Lewis leaves I read the book and all of a sudden I find out he died on the Natchez Trace which goes from Natchez through Jackson all the way up to Nashville so we drive the road very slowly see it's just beautiful drives we drive we cross the Tennessee River Alabama we get into uh, Tennessee and all of a sudden I come upon a farmhouse on the left and that Meriwether Lewis, where he killed himself. He shot himself in the head with a pistol, and it bounced off his skull. So he shot himself with the other pistol in his chest, and it lodged in his spine and didn't hit his heart. And then he hacked himself with a bunch of razor blades, asked his manservant to shoot him with the long rifle. He wouldn't do it. So he crawled out here, and then there's a monument where he's buried. And it was raining, and uh, Diana was kind of under the weather. Everybody, I was sad, and I go over and I take a sprig of green from a cedar tree and I lay it on his grave, and then I put a uh, 12-hour ibuprofen. Not it was, it was sodium naproxen, you know. And uh, I go, may this ease your pain. <laughs> Did and then I got, see you do this? Huh? Did anyone see? No you one. <laughs> Had the whole park to myself. So we drive up the road a little further and we go to Nashville and uh, we get drunk, and uh, that wasn't real pleasant. It's kind of a seedy town. And then uh, we cross the river, and uh, we go up the road a little more, and there's the trail. It goes to Abraham Lincoln's birthplace. 
He died the same year Meriwether Lewis shot himself. Isn't that weird? Right up the street. So I went death, birth, and... Uh, birth of a nation. And so then we go into Louisville. So we're coming into Louisville, and we go, there's Fort Knox. I've never been to Fort Knox. We drive there. You can drive in. There's a gate, all the bob wire, the Constantine wire, and there's our all our gold reserves are right there. And it's smaller than it looks on the on the picture. When they, I, I've heard that before. When they, they had uh, Pussy Galore, when she was spraying the thing in the movie, yeah. Goldfinger. Right, right. So, so we're going there. Goldie Hawn's going to move in there. I Guess what's next door is a golf course. Right next door. To the, the, they had all these sergeants and everything out in their civilian clothes playing golf. It was a beautiful day. <laughs> so now we drive into Louisville the back way. And I go, God, I take a back road. I come in. And next thing you know, I'm parked right down by the bat factory. There's Louisville bat, the big bat. Louisville right. sluggers, baby. Louisville sluggers and everything else. We go in in the $28 for the tour. Yeah, I'll take the tour. They put, put the stamp. We're the last two people in the building. And there was another guy and her daughter. And uh, they give me the stamp. It comes out, and it says, you're on the 420 tour. <laughs> oh, no. I go, you've got to be shitting me. The 420 tour. <laughs> exactly. I'm on the 420. Getting a knob job at a bat factory. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on the 420 tour. So we go in there, and a guy's hand-turning a bat, and I start talking to him about bats. Because you make bats. Else. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. He said, I made this. He said, what's your name? I said, Bill Lee. He says, you're the pitcher. I go. So we started talking. As we go down the assembly line, we get out. When I get into the corridor, when they're locking up and everybody's leaving, there's like 15 people there. The word got out. They all come down. This tall, skinny guy walks up to me and he goes, You're supposed to sit on your ass and not at stupid things. From the Zevon side. And I go, Man, that's hard to do. <laughs> and if you don't, they'll screw you. And if they do, you'll screw you too. So we started going right into the song. In the Louisville factory. With a bat in your hands. With a 420 card in my hand. stupid things. Man, it's hard to do. But if you don't, they'll screw you. I shouldn't like <laughs> and sometimes I say things I shouldn't like <laughs> 